we've spent a lot of time figuring out, okay, our database was good, people were using it, but we also recognized that not everyone is going to migrate all of their content to our database. So how do we integrate with you know the world-class databases? We deploy GraphQL APIs to the edge. So how can we integrate with edge databases now? A lot of people are using these edge DBs. How can we bring those and unify those into a single graph? Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to the installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got Jamie Barton from GraphBase. Uh, Jamie, you want to say hello? Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, oh, I can speak for everyone. Everyone's peachy, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they're all they're all like hitting the like button in, in their car on the drive home. Uh, please keep your hand on the wheel. Uh, but yeah, so you're from GraphBase. Uh, do you want to give a quick intro on who Jamie is first and what you work on? Yeah, sure. So I've been around for many years, um, mostly around from the days of dial-up modems and flash websites. But these days, I'm working with things like GraphQL and React and JavaScript. Um, and I work as a DevRel at GraphBase. So we are kind of unifying data APIs and creating these instant GraphQL APIs for, for anyone that wants to consume data from, from wherever, I guess. Uh, so that's really good fun. I work on a lot of content, videos, speaking to developers. It's, it's so cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed uh, your, your time in the, the dial-up modem days. I was going to guess you were younger than I was. Uh, but unless you were like, you know, Four or five years old, <laughs> trying to plug in the modem and work on some some Perl yeah. scripts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I spent a bunch of time working with PHP back in the day, and yeah, dial-up modems were fun. Building PCs, I kept breaking my drivers for my modems, so every weekend I had to go and replace that and try and reinstall it from friends and stuff. And uh, yeah, what a time to be alive! And uh, f- you know, flash websites were awesome as well. I did a lot of Swish. I don't know if you if you heard of Swish, no, but that was. That was like a, I guess to these days, that's more of like a framework for Flash back in the day, but they were pretty cool times. I miss those. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, and you're also, in your Oodle bio, you mentioned your early adopter of GraphQL. Do you want to talk about your your early days using GraphQL? Yeah. Um, so I kind of transitioned into using React for a while, uh, start to learn a bit more about JavaScript. I was doing JavaScript with Rails, but it was kind of, it it was not you know went through that weird coffee script period and you know we're using the ERB files and writing JavaScript inside of there, and I slowly like to I like the idea of React and as I started to use React, I found GraphQL as I was kind of just following along building things. I discovered GraphQL. I watched maybe one or two of the first talks. I can't remember who it was, but somebody gave a a demo on kind of creating GraphQL in different uh, frameworks. That was pretty cool, um, and I got fascinated from that point of just being able to work with data in a different way. And it felt kind of just nicer and more intuitive to work with. And I've kind of just been using it ever since for anything I can. There's been times where I haven't worked on it full time, but I've kind of kept up to date with it at least, which has been really good. Yeah, very cool. I, I, um, I, I got early in the GraphQL. They had a GraphQL summit. Um, actually, Apollo, previously was called Meteor, uh, was running... This GraphQL summit, and they had made the decision to switch from using whatever they were building for Meteor to use GraphQL, and they had like all the sort of folks who who put it together, and it was like 
happened to be the cross the street from where my office was uh, for the company I was working for. And so I was like, oh, I can get a ticket and just walk across the street, go to the, like during the day, go to the conference. And turned out it was like really impactful for my career because I started using GraphQL immediately for some side projects, built a uh, little React Native application for the company I worked at was Netlify. So I created that, used GraphQL, built a GitHub app, used GraphQL. And um, yeah, never, never looked back since. Nice. Yeah, I remember working on a project and I was like, I'm going to use GraphQL for this. And I really didn't know what I was doing. I was building the back end and the front end and I was trying to hook everything up. And back in the Apollo days, we had this, I think it was called Connect. And you ended up with all of these different Connect functions and you were passing in different queries and trying to tie that to components. And it probably spent me way longer to build this app for the company at the time because I was using something new. But you know, that's part of the job. And, you know, part, I guess that's why we love what we do because we get to play with these things. Yeah, exactly. So can we talk about GraphBase? And you'd mentioned around the sort of aggregating APIs, but can you explain in a little more detail of uh, what people are using it for? What is GraphBase? What problem are they solving? Yeah, sure. So when GraphBase first started out, it was a backend as a service. It was mostly a database, a single database over GraphQL. So I don't know if you're, you're probably familiar with GraphQL back in the day. Yep. So a few years ago, GraphBase kind of started uh, along those similar lines, but making the local development experience kind of first class. You just run an MPX GraphBase dev, and that whole experience is running locally. You get that GraphQL API or locally with a database that's kind of simulated, and you don't have to deploy anything to, to test it. And that's kind of where it started. And then over the last kind of 18 months to 12 months, we've spent uh, a lot of time figuring out, okay, our database was good, people were using it, but we also recognize that not everyone is going to migrate all of their content to our database. So how do we integrate with you know, the world-class databases? Uh, we deploy GraphQL APIs to the edge. So how can we integrate with edge databases now? A lot of people are using these edge DBs. How can we bring those and unify those into a single graph? And that's kind of what we're doing today and you know, a whole lot more. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I'm familiar with GraphQL. GraphQL is actually... Uh, Johannes um, has been on this podcast multiple times, twice as GraphQL and once as Prisma, uh, or maybe the inverse. But I, I guess what I'm getting at is they uh, very familiar with like that experience and sort of like that was kind of like the Firebase, your hosted cloud yeah. experience, and then you had like the sort of API integrations. They completely pivoted into Prisma, and that's what they're working on now. But can you talk more about this local experience? So like you have a SDK or a plugin that serves your GraphQL server? Like, how's that work? Yeah, so actually today we, we've just released a new TypeScript config. And up until today, you wrote GraphQL SDL and we gave custom directives. So if you wanted to create a model, you would tag it model. If you wanted a field to be unique, you would tag it unique and add max values and things like that. All of those directives were available in SDL. But not everybody wants to use that SDL. It isn't very type safe. It, it doesn't compose very well. Uh, it's not very modular, and we wanted to kind of provide a better experience that people are familiar with with things like TRPC and all of that. So we today released a TS config so people can write config for their backend in TypeScript. And that config can be configuring data sources, auth, rules, permissions, caching, etc. And then what we will release in a few weeks actually is going to be the other side of that, which is the client. And the idea of all of this is you have a client and a backend config, and they work together. So you could think of it like the Prisma config and the Prisma client. And we are going to kind of 
do all the GraphQL handling yourself. You know, we'll handle that within the, the plugin, the client. You won't have to think about GraphQL if you don't want to. That's there if you need it. But we'll kind of just create this client for many different APIs. And we just use GraphQL as this technology at that point. But I guess to answer your question and to talk about the, the CLI is it's one command. Uh, MPX, GraphBase, init will initialize a new project. And GraphBase dev will actually start the development server. And that actually uses Miniflare. So we're built on top of Cloudflare. That runs Miniflare locally. We simulate the database using SQL Lite. We have things like live queries, which we do some kind of, we hook into some of the event streams within there and a lot of simulation. So we do a lot of what you see in our hosted cloud version. Uh, all of that runs locally as well, which I think that was really one of the biggest things that excited me when I first started to talk to the founder of GraphBase about joining. I was like, this is a really cool experience. I've used dozens of these over the years, but actually just being able to run this with a simple MPX command is so good. It's really nice experience. Yeah, that's awesome too. It's like, so what comes to mind is like my original experience in building my own GraphQL server as Apollo server. Uh, so like, how does that compare and like what Apollo is doing versus what GraphBase is doing? Yeah, so Apollo, Yoga, Helix, if that's still around, and a bunch of others, uh, Mercurius, and uh, there's so many great tools of building GraphQL servers. But you know, uh, yes, you can build GraphQL servers, but do people really want to be spending time getting into the weeds of data loader and you know handling context and deploying and CI/CD? We actually allow you to write custom type definitions and custom resolvers, and we will deploy that to the edge for you if you sync your GitHub repository to GraphBase, every time you make a pull request, we will generate a new preview branch. So similar to Netlify, Vercel, you get that preview branch, and it's for the new schema, which is very cool. Oh, that's amazing, yeah. I love the, um, the sort of... I don't know. It's like the modern, the Jamstackification of these uh, of the backends yeah. of the services, and uh, I love the fact that you you present a uh, like a deploy preview of that experience because it's like, the painful part is like being able to test some of the stuff. So like, if you updated your schema, it's in a PR. Like, how do you go and test that? Do you spin up a whole staging server? And it sounds like GraphBase has an option for you. And I guess is GraphBase you manage? You have a managed solution, a cloud solution that, that manages that. Yeah, right now it's all cloud-based, all managed. We will open source all of this probably later this year. So people can run this themselves. But obviously, if you want that experience of branching all done for you, then you'll deploy it with us. Yeah, I mean it's a popular interaction where you have like the you have the hosted version. That's usually where folks get their 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 teeth cut and yeah. experience and sort of bottom up. Like you're doing DevRel, like the, the bottom up strategy is get people to use it as quickly as possible. Uh, and I imagine you have like tons of examples of folks that like to be able to use GraphBase today. My next question is like, how do folks use it today? Are there examples of different frameworks and, and languages to connect to your database? Yeah, so we we have a growing library of different examples and templates and guides as well. So whatever framework you're using. That MPX graphbase init command can be ran inside of your current project. So if you've got something already and you want to start trying graphbase or using it for something, maybe you just want to proxy it in front of a custom uh, data source that you already use. You can run that command in your existing project, and it will just work. It'll run. Connect that to GitHub. You'll get a deployment. Then it's just a case of taking that API key and the API URL, configuring it with that with your project and making requests. But yeah, it just works out of the box with any framework. It's just 
GraphQL, it works over HTTP, just make a fetch request. As we move more towards server rendering, now that works as well. So there's no need to spend a lot of time setting up clients. You can just treat it as another endpoint. You know, It doesn't even have to be GraphQL if you don't want to. We will release that client I mentioned, which will make that experience, I think, of setting up and configuring clients go away. Cool. Yeah, and then it's it sounds like GraphBase has done a really good job of just fitting inside the entire ecosystem of GraphQL. So like things that I know I've years ago, this is like things that maybe people haven't touched GraphQL in a couple of years, but things around like authentication, caching, does GraphBase have like solutions for those two things? Yeah, uh, we have spent a bunch of time over the last few months working on edge caching. So now all of what I just what we've discussed has the ability to be edge cached as well. So if you write your own resolvers and you deploy those to GraphBase, or if you connect different databases and you make a query, we will cache that automatically. And that's totally configurable as well to different data sources. So if you only want to cache one data source and not another, you can do that. Uh, and auth as well. There's so many great auth tools and solutions out there. I know you had James from Clerk on not too long ago. And Clerk is something which I default to now. It's very easy, very nice to set up. Uh, and they have really nice integrations with OpenID Connect. And we support OpenID Connect. So you can bring your existing users, you can log in, and you can use that same token against your GraphBase API. So if you connect, say, a Postgres database, you can configure permissions for a specific user group that was authenticated with Clerk to have access or not to certain data and actions. You know, that's really, really cool, I think. Um, just to kind of abstract that and not worry about it and make auth kind of agnostic. It's it's a really nice uh, twist to not kind of own and everything, but allowing people to plug and play what they want. I mean, that's the value of the, the Jamstack, being able to plug and play and connect the different pieces that make sense in your, your current developer workflow. And I think what's good about this is like you can dig in deeper Later, uh, can I get a, a get my my backend GraphQL API or my server up and running pretty quickly? Like those are usually things I lean for. And then if I can then opt in to have a, a deeper experience or connect or extend, like that's another opportunity as well. So like I guess the question is like folks who are interested in leveraging GraphQL, like what's the persona of the folks reaching for GraphBase? Are these like Solo engineering teams, is this like enterprise organizations or up and coming startups? A mix of that, I think. Yeah. We are very, very recent to the scene. We've been working for a while to build this. And what we are now seeing is a lot of different people in using OpenAI, for example, with caching. They want to cache a lot of that. So they're not spending money on endless amounts of tokens. We can cache a lot of that. We connect with those APIs. We transform things like the spec into GraphQL automatically, their open API spec. So we're able to cache that. So we've seen a lot of demand for people wanting to cache various uh, AI services. E-commerce as well. E-commerce is very composable. We're in this kind of best of breed era yeah. where people can bring their own services and APIs. Well, instead of you having to install endless dependencies and learn different APIs and plugins and how they all work, we'll just create one unified GraphQL API for you and soon the clients that you can just use to add things to the cart, fetch inventory, fetch stock, log in customers, and, and all of that. So e-commerce, open AI, and mobile applications as well. I think mobile apps are fascinating, native apps, but a lot of the time people think, oh, I can just put in my API key, it's safe. But actually, that's not safe. It's still been 
you know, sent over the wire. So we were able to kind of bring that and give them, a, you know, give mobile application developers this unified GraphQL API that works with different auth providers to be fully safe as well. So tons of different uh, kind of personas joining. Yes, we have a community in Discord of people coming. Oh, I'm using your database and your live query stuff. I just want to use that. That is totally cool. I have projects using that. I enjoy it. But yeah, we are also seeing a huge increase in demand as a lot of companies are in AI. Uh, so we're, we're really keen to figure out, okay, how do we bring GraphQL things to that? Like streaming, live queries, who can enter various events there with caching as well to, to reduce costs elsewhere. Very cool. So you started this conversation with like your years of experience. So like, I'd love to actually just pick your brain around this current landscape that you were just, just mentioning about for developer tools and like approaching building new projects, like kind of fascinated by where we've come. Like I, I, I started writing code professionally 10 years ago. So the world then, which I was doing rails at the time, it seemed like very daunting for me to get started. But like if someone were starting today and they're like, I have an idea for this project, like what would you be reaching for? Uh, like full stack experience. That's a very difficult question. And I'm sure the answer will differ, whoever you ask. Honestly, I have a younger brother that is wanting to kind of get more into this stuff. And I'm like, it is very overwhelming when you come into the space that we're in now. There's different tools for absolutely everything now, from notifications to text messages to databases to rendering markdown. There's something for everything, which is amazing, but it is very daunting. So I started with Code Igniter, which was a PHP framework, and I learned that, I used that, I built things with that, and it did a lot of what Rails did. It came with its own kind of solution and patterns for things that I could follow. And I would say maybe spend a bit of time with a framework that does that if you're getting started. Redwood is really cool um, and is doing some of this now in kind of a more, not modern, but you know, very new and upcoming yeah. collection of tools, right? But kind of trying to provide that, not old school experience, but kind of a, a well-known or a well-defined pattern. So yeah, I would say reach for something like Redwood if you're totally new and not try to overwhelm yourself with having to learn JavaScript, CSS, HTML, databases, APIs, caching. Like just don't spend the time doing that. Just build something and then as you start to learn or want to kind of go down different paths, then maybe you can start to build, dare I say it, microservices and kind of branch out. Very cool. Yeah, anything else about GraphBase? You mentioned SDK is coming out pretty soonish. Um, it was like a rough date quarter that we can expect that. That will be coming out. Um, there'll be a initial version in the first few weeks of July. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. So by the time this podcast comes out, it probably probably check out the docs or the blog post. Yeah, yeah. We have a change log which I post to every few days with new stuff that the team's working on. So all of that will be in there. Cool. Sounds good. Well, Jamie, thanks for sharing about GraphBase. I do want to wind down the conversation, put us in the picks. But folks, check out GraphBase. Like there's great guides and docs on how to get started uh, in your framework of your choice. So check that out. But Jam picks. These are things that we're jamming on. It could be music, food, technology related. Anything's on the table. And if you don't mind, I'll go first. I've got two picks. One is yesterday I just saw the new Pixar movie, which is Elemental. I don't know. I've been like running a startup <laughs> recently, so like I, I haven't really paid attention. That I didn't know there's a new Pixar movie until my wife's like, "Hey, we're seeing a movie," and I was like, 
cool, I need a break. Yeah. But it's like uh it's about elements, so like fire, water, earth, and wind or air. <laughs> they all live in a city and it's uh I don't want to give away too much about it, but it's a really interesting story that I had no idea where it was coming from. But what I've liked uh, in the last couple movies is like the folks who are writing and directing, they come from underrepresented backgrounds. So you get to learn a bit about their background. And I think the, the person who directed or, or wrote the story uh, has a Korean origin. And I don't know much about Korean culture, but like some of those elements are in like how folks immigrated to country like US, very similar to New York City, basically, and immigrated and had to assimilate or bring their culture along for the ride. So very interesting story for any any folks live in a melting pot or want to experience different fire cultures and, and other stuff. So definitely worth checking out. It's, it's, it's a good conversational piece after talking to the kids about what this means and what that means. So yeah, Pixar, they don't, they just don't know how to not hit you in the feels. So yeah, it's one of those, one of those shows as well. Sounds awesome. I think I seen a trailer for that last week when I went with the kids to see Spider-Man. Oh, nice. So definitely check that out. See, I, I didn't see Spider-Man yet. So uh, <laughs> I guess when I get another break, I'll have to take the take the kid out to, to see Spider-Man as well before it leaves the years. I had a second pick, which is Post-Hog. So Post-Hog was a former guest on this uh, podcast as well. Great conversation. Uh, super fascinating. It's like, uh, it, I don't want to call it Google Analytics, but open source, but it kind of is, but it's more product-led growth. Analytics. So when you're, you've got your your project or your documentation, you're like trying to figure out what points people click more, what pieces of information is not being leveraged. How are you converting folks to signups to leveraging features that aren't getting as much exposure? So just now, spent a lot of time going through their documentation, building out some product led growth strategies, and like what I've been doing inside of PostHog is doing zero to wow. Uh, which I, I, I did talk actually a heavy bit around uh, onboarding and converting users and like how Stripe, their docs do a great job of getting somebody something really quickly and how GitHub actually had the opposite problem where they leveraged a community to teach how to use Git and GitHub and they did no help whatsoever. This is like about four years ago, but did no help to actually onboard new new GitHub users. So what we're doing at OpenSauce, which is the company I'm running, we're now trying to find out, okay, from the time that you navigate the site, like what's the time it takes you to sign up within the very new users, but also what's the time after sign up for you to do something meaningful. And we're now trying to track that time of within the first few minutes, you're doing something meaningful and you're talking about it. So that's that's the kind of thing we've been tracking at PostHog. And um, it was a bit of a learning curve because I'm not a product manager or really put that much energy and product but it's been fun to now see the results start the track yeah that sounds really cool i think that would be really interesting to check out for what we're doing we're using kind of a combination of things like tiny bird pop sequel and creating all these different charts manually from our data warehouse yeah but definitely building something that is more bespoke would be pretty cool to check out so that's a good pick cool you got any picks for us yeah, two. The first one is a book that I uh, read recently from John O'Bacon uh, called People Powered. And that is a great book. Uh, I've known John for a while. He was a mentor at a previous startup. And he wrote this kind of blueprint on building and growing communities. So if you're someone in, you know, definitely working with DevRel, it's something that you should check out. Um, John does a lot of videos on YouTube talking about this stuff week in, week out. And this book's awesome. It just kind of talks a lot about different psychologies and how people think and how they react and what you can kind of do to pull on some of those. Um, so really worth checking out. 
and yeah, just had a blast kind of reading through that. I read it on a on a flight, and then I read it on the flight back as well. So I've got it down now. <laughs> Very cool. I didn't know about this book, but uh, I know general. Uh, so yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, and the second is by Stephen Tay from Vercel. Uh, he released this thing called Novel, yep. which is a notion style, what you see is what you get editor uh, with AI order completion. And every day this week, there's been a new pull request with a new feature added. That's just typical Stephen Tay. Like, there's so many cool things uh, being added every single day. That this is definitely something if someone wants to add uh, an editor with AI powers, then into your app, then check it out. It's it's all open source, of course. Um, it can be deployed wherever. Yeah, I, I love Stephen and um, Hassam, who also works on the, the Vercel team. Their ability to ship really cool projects, <laughs> showcasing things that they're interested in, but also they tie it back into like their their main objective, which is get more people to use the Vercel yeah. pretty seamlessly. I, I had a conversation with Steven about a year ago about because he was shipping a lot of stuff and it was hard for me to like keep up to date. And uh, I don't think I had any influence in what they're shipping now, but it's nice to see the momentum like pick up and, yeah. and see all these cool things. Like dub.sh was a tool I used for a bit. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And I love seeing the growth and the adoption and the fact that they're um, they're kind of like indie hackers. They have a job, but they're doing a bunch of indie hackers type stuff, yeah. which is yeah, it's fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. And you know, they're kind of given that time. I was talking to Steven as well a while ago and just being able to have the time to build all of this stuff. But like you say, tie it back to product is such a a niche way to to devrel, I think. And from the indie hacking point of view, so yeah, it's like when you when you don't, not being sold, like you you have such a better experience, and I think that's what they've been kind of really doing is like, oh, here's a cool AI thing, yeah, like I'm gonna go clone this, use it, and by the way, I can also deploy this to Vercel. Yeah, so that's a good way of devrelling, not selling. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people fall into that trap, and this is not that trap. It's yeah, it's really really nice. Yeah, we we actually we we didn't go deep into your your devrel experience and role and how you engage community, but maybe for the next time you come on. Of course, definitely. Cool. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for the the, the time chatted about GraphBase. Folks, check it out. Uh, thanks for the picks as well. I'm going to grab that book and probably add it to my, my reading list. I've been, I've been, fo- I've fo- here's another pick is like have focused reading time in the morning. Uh, I feel like it's the best way to start my day. It's better than reading emails. That's for sure. I'm going to have to try that. Cool. And uh, folks, keep sure to the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 